Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host. I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week. Therefore, it's a unique episode. It's a very unique one today. Um, thought I'd try something different. Do a little one-off, because as you're probably aware, Off the Beat and Track is sponsored um, by Off the Beat, uh, Off the Beat by Hotel Chocolat. Um, I had their their boss man Angus on, uh, and we had a wonderful chat and bonded over music. And afterwards, he asked if he could help in any way, shape, or form. And 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 that has kind of that conversation become a partnership. Uh, which is lovely, you know. He's partnered the podcast, and one of the perks of um, of having, you know, your sponsored partner being Hotel Chocolat is that they send you a box of stuff, and uh, and they don't just send me the chocolate; they send me the chocolatey booze, um, which is part of their new range called the Cacao Bar, um, which I've been talking about, you know, for maybe the last sort of five six months since um, I've been working with them. But I thought I'd do something different and. Um, and try some of the, the drinks that they'd sent me. And I thought, why not share them drinks with a guest and maybe get a guest on that might have a slightly more, I don't know, educated taste buds than mine. And uh, and it's certainly not a... Uh, there's no element of snobbery to this, as you're going to find out. Um, my guest is um, a friend that um, has worked for me years ago at the club and, and we've stayed friends and, uh, and I've watched him... Um, become you know a, a television celebrity I've, I've watched him um enter into master chef and we talk all about this and and he's got a very unique look um and he's got bags of charisma and uh, has a, one of them twiddly diddly mustaches and made him very recognizable um as a as a finalist uh, and then so much so he was so well loved that and you know this was maybe what five six years ago since then he's back every year as a judge and he's gone on to you know, set up and, and run a beautiful restaurant in Blackheath called Copper and Ink. And he's got so much to say. And uh, and he's he's such a kind soul uh, and an old friend. So I thought, I'm going to get Tony Rod on. He's been on, he was on one of the first 10 episodes. I'm sure we chat about this. Um, and uh, and we, we went through his, his tunes and his tracks. So what I'm going to do is make this more of a kind of summary episode. So we're going to have a drink with every question. And we're going to sample each one and we're going to talk about it. I'm going to get Tony's views on what it tastes like. But I'm going to ask him all about gigs, concerts, festivals and experiences and dream festival lineups. And, yeah, it's just a unique episode. And uh, as, a, as, a, as a big thank you to, to Hotel Chocolat for, for getting behind the podcast and, and, and helping. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's all I need to say um, other than 
please enjoy Off The Beaten Track podcast with Hotel Chocolat and Tony Rod. Sorry, I've interrupted the podcast, but with good reason. Hotel Chocolat are our sponsors. You know that now because I tell you about it every episode. But they've been super kind now. And you may have heard me talking about the products from the cacao bar and there's gins, cream liqueurs, all sorts of wonderful chocolatey goodies. Um, And what they've done is they've set a page up on the website that you can go to. And all you've got to do is just for you off the beat and track listeners, go over there, answer a question, and you could win the full range delivered to your front door. I mean, that's kind of them. All you have to do is go to this place, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. That's OTBT as in off the beaten track podcast, hotelchocolat.com forward slash OTBT podcast. Go get your grubby little mitts on some deliciously chocolatey drinks, courtesy of our sponsors, Hotel Chocolat. I'll get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. It me, stew with it. Okay, we are recording. This is a very unique episode. It's uh, 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 something that I've not done before. Um, I've done the format of it, of it being a live episode um, about live uh, gigs. Um, I've never, I've never once uh, had any alcohol when I've re- uh, recorded this podcast. But today, um, our sponsor, Hotel Chocolat, has sent me a range of uh, different liqueurs, uh, and we're going to try them. And I thought, who better to try them with uh, than former guest uh, and uh, friend, uh, MasterChef uh, finalist, and uh, is it restaurant owner or restaurateur? Either of those works. Okay, you pick. Um, uh, Tony Rod, hello. Hello, mate. How are you? Um, it's lovely to have you back, mate. I'm all right, thank you. I'm all right. Thanks for asking. Um, I'm trying to think when the last time I saw you was possibly when I came and ate at your restaurant. Yeah, possibly. A year and a half ago, maybe something like that. I bet it was longer than that. May well have been. Last year don't count, does it? <laughs> I mean, I'm a year younger as yep. a result. Uh, I'm not a year slimmer. Yes. Uh, lockdown has not been good to me. Tone, you're stick thin I'm still, still, mate. I'm still quite stick thin, yeah. but I've gone up two inches on the uh, on the belt. So, uh, yeah, I've uh, put on a little bit of weight. Okay, well, we've uh, we've had you on already um, doing the, 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 the standard the standard chat, and we've gone through all your song choices. Uh, I believe there was some Who, I believe there was some Prince. I can't yep. remember anything else there was in there. Um, it was a long time ago. You was one of the, in the first ten ever guests, I believe. I, I think, think so, yeah. Very early on. Um, it's amazing you've still got followers. Unbelievable. I mean, back then it was week, you know, or, or, or the first sort of few episodes. It was a case of like, ring up my mates <laughs> and uh, and see who I can get on. And uh, and, and thankfully, they, they, you know, you all come on and, and gave good chats. So I've managed to kind of keep pedalling the podcast. And and as we've sort of spoken about briefly before we press record, I've managed to kind of keep pedalling the podcast through lockdown because, like you, I'm a you know, I, I run a venue, um, very, very different venues. Um, but you run a restaurant, and, and, and like nightclubs, we are one of the first things to shut and one of the last things to reopen. So um, tell us about uh, your restaurant and how you've coped, what you've done to keep trading. Yeah, I think um, restaurant is 
as a, a general, we've always been quite good at adapting. We have to. Um, food is fashionable and things come and go in fashion and you have to change with the times. So um, the lockdown was just exactly that for us. Everyone had to adapt. Uh, I've got a little restaurant in Blackheath uh, called Copper and Ink with my wife, Becky. And um, like you say, we were one of the first industries to be essentially thrown under the bus. Mm. Um, and we didn't really know what was going to happen when Boris Johnson turned up and said to everybody, avoid going to restaurants. Um, our insurance company said, well, you're not covered because you've not been legally shut down. And in fact, when we were legally shut down, we weren't covered anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, we didn't know what the score was with furlough. We didn't know how long we were going to be locked down for, how much support we'd get. And the truth was it cost us uh, about 11 and a half grand to, uh, to shut our doors every month. And we got given two uh, from the government. So there was a fairly big deficit. But um, I think... Then, then he told you to go and tell everyone to go and eat in restaurants, yeah, didn't he? Yeah, then it was safe. Yeah. Then it was only safe up to 10 o'clock, which was always fun, because <laughs> obviously after 10 o'clock, whoa, the COVID comes back yeah. out. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the whole thing is, is really been quite laughable, because I don't feel that uh, the government really did anything to follow the science, and we're not going to get political. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we were scapegoated a lot. Um, but... We got through it, and I think that's the main thing. Many people didn't, and I'm devastated for all of them, but yeah, we got through it. Uh, it was the first opportunity that Becky and I really had a chance to stop and sit down and really look at what we've done. And when we reopened uh, the first time, um, we were able to come back better and stronger and really a bit more focused on what the restaurant was about. Uh, we then got locked down, I think it's another 72 or 73 times since. Yeah. Um, and obviously with each one of those, we adapted, we did some cook at home kits. Uh, we changed our sort of social, um, uh, distancing measures and, you know, try to make sure we kept the staff and our guests safe, which was always our priority. Yeah. And I think we've got better and stronger throughout. Um, and we're now up and running. Um, you know, it's, it's nearly September. Uh, we've been up and running for a couple of months and we're still doing it with a lot of the social distancing measures in place. But I feel like we're doing it properly and safely and our guests appreciate that. And, uh, you know, we're still challenged with the odd COVID case amongst the team sure. and, and the likes. But um, you just have to fight on. I think you do. I think you have to adapt and, and you know, just keep pushing forwards. Yeah. And, you know, it's horrible to think this, but I do think, you know, it's not going to go away. We'll be living with it for a while, I think, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the, the wheels have got to keep turning. And... You know, and certainly if, you know, you, you own your own business, you know, it's so difficult in hospitality, full stop anyway, yep. without a pandemic. And so, you know, the fact you've come out the other side is amazing. And just personally speaking, like, Tone, how, having that time to sort of stop, and, I mean, I've known you a, a long, long time, and, you know, in, in whatever world you've been operating, you, you've always grafted, and, and obviously... I think everybody's aware that a chef and anybody that works in, in the restaurant trade, the hours are unsociable and yep. long and it's a lot of work. Um, what did you draw from stopping? And, you know, you, you had no choice. The restaurant had to, you know, shut its doors and all of a sudden you're locked at home with, with your wife, who is also somebody that you work with constantly yep. You know, that's good that you're used to being in each other's, you know, <laughs> pockets 24-7, obviously. But, you know, did you take, like, time personally to kind of take stock of things, just life yeah, in general? Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, obviously, it was difficult because you weren't 
just told don't go to work. You were told yeah. don't go to work, but also don't leave the house. Yeah. So it wasn't even that you could use that time and enjoy yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think once we got over the first month and we knew that we could furlough the staff, um, we had some grants to help support the business, we could get a loan to kind of cover some of the losses, um, and we knew that the business was, to a certain extent, protected. Sure. Once we got over that, I think Becky and I were able to stop and relax. And for me, it was great because it was the first chance in, I'd say two years, but the reality is probably 15, 20 years, that I actually had time to give to myself. And yeah. um, I listened to a lot of music. I signed up to a lot of new uh, music subscriptions. Um, so I get a lot of vinyl comes through my door yeah. uh, on a monthly basis now, which is great. And it's a lot of stuff that I wouldn't have necessarily ordered or I wouldn't have thought about ordering. Or had the time. And Or had the time. And w wouldn't have had the time to sit down and listen to it. I yeah. like listening to albums as an album. Mm -hmm. I really like listening to putting on the first track and then playing it all the way through to the last track. And sitting down and listening to it, not you know, driving the car or being at work. And it's nice when you sit and listen to I, I, we sound like such old bastards but you know it, i think it's cool again to like vinyl anyway so yeah, i think it's, it's all a right, wickle, right? Like, yeah. yeah definitely <laughs> but it, you know, the, the thing that i love about should i ever take that time to sit and listen to a record you know side a side b whilst i'm doing that invariably i have the artwork in yeah. front of me uh and that artwork is something that i've had this conversation on lots of off the beaten tracks we, we, we're talking about how the way that people get their music is, is, is far different from when it, you know, how it was when we were growing up. But I do think one of the things that is lost is the album artwork. Absolutely. You know, and you don't get that on Spotify. And, you know, if you do, you know, you've you, you got to squint to see it. Or yeah. maybe that's just my elderly eyes. But and you're not reading all the information that's in there either. Of course No. And the nice thing with a lot of the subscriptions that I've been getting is um, they're curated records, but they also come with a really nice... Uh, print out with information about the artist, about yeah. the record, about why they've been chosen. So it is educational. You sit there, you yeah. listen to the music, you read the information, you look at the artwork, you experience it the way it should be experienced, I think. And it was great for me to be able to do that, to have some time for myself, yeah. um, to have some time with Becky. We work together all day long, mm -hmm. but we don't spend any quality time together doing yeah. that. Um, with the dog, you know, we did our exercise every day was with the dog. We took him on like, nice long walks. Um, got the house in order, which was always good. Yeah. So um, I was very fortunate. Becky got COVID early on, but we've otherwise been okay. Um, we've known quite a few people who have got it and yeah. some who have got it badly. But fortunately, we've not lost anyone as a result of COVID. So we've been very fortunate where many others haven't. Yeah. Um, and the business survived. Um and, you know, yes, we're still feeling the effects of it, yep. but we are now thriving again, which is good. So um, good to have time off. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I'm back, though. Yeah. Uh, mate, I, you know, there's only so much time I can sit down. And um, you're back out. So hence, you've, you've made your way over to uh, the Whiffin. Yes. Which, yeah. for, for listeners of Off The Beaten Track, probably aren't aware of the Whiffin. So the Whiffin is um, where I record my podcast, but whenever uh, I'm doing Off The Beaten Track... Uh, generally, obviously, for the last couple of years, it's been over Zoom. Um, but the Within uh, is my little garden bar that kind of turned into a studio office over lockdown. But uh, today, it's a hybrid of um, of a bar again. Um, but it's also got the studio equipment in it. So um, how I think we're going to do this is I've got an array of different um, uh, Hotel Chocolat uh, liqueurs. 
Uh, so I think we're going to kind of have one with each question, and and I'd just like to get your your palate is a lot more uh, finely tuned than mine. <laughs> I don't have uh, COVID. I'm all right. So I uh, so I'd love to get your your thoughts on each one. And, and, and first of all, we, we we've, we've been supping on one already, which is the uh, cherry and raspberry cacao gin liqueur. We put a bit of tonic with that. I mean, I'm going to just steam in and say I think it's amazing. It's really quite nice. Yeah. I mean, I was. Um the, the honest truth is, when someone says to me, I'm going to give you a raspberry and cherry gin, I'm yeah. immediately thinking, oh, good, thanks. Um, you know, I've, I've tried Pinksters and various others, and I've got a big gin collection at home, so why not? But uh, I find sometimes sweet gins or fruit-flavoured gins, I kind of, I just want a gin. I want to taste the gin. I want to taste yeah. the tonic. I like the botanicals that are the kind of herbaceous ones. Yes. And uh, the, the junipers. And the, I bought a sage gin at the weekend and a rosemary gins. And I like those kind of things. I'm all right for tonic. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying the taste of the uh, gin. This is actually quite nice. It's got the sweetness. Um, you taste the raspberry and you taste the cherry. And I like both of those fruits as a whole. Stu's going in for more. I like this. I am. We are going to be dribbling later. Um, I might as well top up. Um, but I like it. You've got the flavours. Um... But it still tastes grown up. It doesn't taste like it's a kid's drink. No. It says slurring already. It's, uh, it's, it's got, I'm not going to lie, I can definitely taste uh, the cherry drops in it, though. Yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of that. Um, so this has got uh, cacao, juniper, coriander seed, orris root, lemon zest and cardamom. And you get a really nice uh, citrus from the cardamom and the lemon, which is nice as well. Kind of cuts through the sweetness that can be a little bit... Um, a bit overpowering sometimes of, of cherries and, and raspberries. So I think you've got that sort of freshness that comes through. It's very drinkable. Uh, we've got it, yeah, with tonic water. And I reckon you could probably drink it straight up. 100%. Um, I'm loving that, the, 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 I mean, we've just laid it out right from the off there. You gave that big comprehensive breakdown as to uh, where the flavours and that come from. <laughs> I just said it tasted like cherry drops. That's like cherry. <laughs> I, um, I... As well as doing a lot of chocolate work, um, which is what I was known for when I was on MasterChef. That's right, of course. Yeah, bizarrely. Um, so I do a lot of work with chocolate. Um, but I also judge for the Great Taste Awards every year. And, um, in fact, the restaurant's hosting their um, end-of-year dinner for all of the judges, which is both thrilling and terrifying at the same yeah. time because we get a lot of um, critics and writers and no uh, chefs that come along. Yeah, exactly. And I'm doing it with a lot of products that um, are going to win three stars this year. Uh, but we don't necessarily work with every day. So I'm, I'm working on a menu that um, could go disastrously wrong, mm. but it's always good fun. So I'm used to trying things, and we do pick out flavours all the time. The wife's our sommelier. She's got a fantastic palate. But you know, I'm always, whenever I try anything, I'm picking up where, where are the flavours coming from. Is it balanced? Is it nice? I like this. I'd drink that. Um, yeah, happy days. Okay, question one time. <laughs> yes. What was the first live show you ever went to? Right, I had to I had to go and check dates on this because okay. I couldn't remember. But it was um it was Jamiroquai. Okay. Which was very cool. And it was I think at the Braintree Community Centre. Right. Or possibly somewhere similar. Out in Essex, back in ninety one, I believe. Uh no, ninety three. Ninety three. Right. And it would have been when Virtual Insanity first came out. Yes. And I remember he had a, a tread walk on the stage, built into the stage, so he could do his ridiculous dancing yeah. that he used to do while sliding around on the stage. Um, and it was great. I would have been a teenager, like mm -hmm. a young teenager as well. Uh, I went with friends, so my mum let me go to a gig without uh, yeah. without her, which was good. There, see, there may well have been other gigs before this yeah. and things I'd seen with her, but that's the first one I really remember. Um 
but I remember it was probably one of the first times that I'd experienced live music and standing up in a crowd, dancing, watching him dance and just thought, yeah, this is great. You know, I, I want to spend more of my time doing this. Yeah. Um, I remember shortly after that, I went to Brixton um, to see a gig. And uh, again, I would have been a young teenager and I'd convinced my mum to let me go to Brixton. And yeah. Brixton at the time was a scary place. I was told that that's where you get stabbed and robbed and all the rest yep. of it. And not to wear nice clothes. Yeah. So I wore what I can only describe as the clothes you would now decorate your house in. Yeah. And uh, I got there and everybody was looking amazing because it was a punk gig. Right. And everyone looked really good. And I looked like, you know, I was living on the streets. Yeah. And, yeah, not cool. Um, but my mum drove me to Braintree to see Jumeroquai. Yeah. Uh, so I was able to wear nice clothes. And uh, I don't think you get stabbed in Braintree. Pro- I don't know. I mean, Brixton's quite gentrified now. So I mean, now, yeah. Yeah, he's probably That's more it. dangerous in Braintree. <laughs> Almost certainly. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, JK did his thing. Are you, uh, are you a Jamiroquai fan? I suspect you're probably not. I'm not, no. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I've, got, I've got a very um, strange thing, right? Uh, the, I mean, I loved um, uh, uh, Too Young to Die. Yeah, uh, off of the, the the first album yeah, yeah. Um, titled "Emergency on Planet Earth," right. which I believe was quite a woke record about the environment. <laughs> and I then think he bought about three hundred like sports cars. Sports cars, cars yeah, that. that's right. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I thought when I heard uh, "Too Young to Die" and was "Emergency on Planet Earth" a track as well as an album, I think it was. Um, I remember really liking it, thinking, "Wow, this guy sounds like Stevie Wonder." Yep, um, and. Yeah, and then obviously he become a superstar when virtual Massive, insanity and yeah. uh, cosmic girl and stuff like that. And I used to play it. In the, obviously, we should also in say that um, no, I didn't play in the band. Um, <laughs> you but still, I played I'll play it in the, in the club. Brush. Okay, yeah, yeah. And so for for those that um, haven't listened to Tony's first episode, uh, I met Tony um, when he. I mean, you worked at the Pink Toothbrush yeah, for how long? Uh, I was there for nearly ten years. That would have been. We I probably started there twenty three years ago. Right, long time ago now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, we, we, we become friends then. And, uh, and then even post that club, when I was doing events in, um, in, in Hoxton, yeah. you come down and do photography then as well. And probably. in, uh, Romford, I think you did some yes. as well. Yeah. 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 We've, um, I basically follow you around like a stink. Yeah. Which yeah. you don't really need. Shake you for ages. Yeah. But, uh, but the thing is, I also know that your music taste is, um, poor rogue. Uh, it's not it is what it is but I know that there are some bands that you are very much I don't like them yeah and that's fine because I think you know that's the way it goes but you are like yeah I don't like them I don't want to play them right so JK is that guy yeah and I get that right and it's not Jamiroquai Um, the band are incredible but I've said it on on uh, the hardcore listening podcast I do that if I'm ever feeling low yeah lots of people put on music to lift their spirits I watched the YouTube video of Jamiroquai being headbutted by the paparazzi. <laughs> uh, the joy that that gives me of him getting out of his car <laughs> and just being this horrific celebrity, just with so much bravado. And, and then getting out. And then just, that's what happens when you behave like that. It's and fair. it's just a glorious thing to be old. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I presume he's still wearing funny hats and, and, and doing these. I mean, he's a great I think, dancer, I think he's got he still a great wears voice. funny hats, just uh, they're less ridiculous, but he still wears funny hats. I think for me, at the time, I didn't know how good it was as music, mm. and obviously it's subjective. 
I just liked the music. Yeah. Um, I was still very much finding my way in terms of what I liked. And obviously in the first um, recording that we did for Off the Beaten Track, we spoke about the fact that my choices were very eclectic and I'm not necessarily that cool. Um, but what's cool? Well, exactly what is cool. And I go with that. Yeah. But... Um, when I listen back to it now, and I listen to... like When I'm in bed, because I suffer really badly with insomnia. So when I'm in bed, I listen to podcasts, I listen to audiobooks, and I watch a lot of YouTube videos. And one of the things I watch on YouTube is music videos. And they might be bass players breaking down um, bass riffs from mm. popular music. Stuart um, Zender from Jamiroquai. Oh, my Incredible. God. Yeah, phenomenal. And when you actually look at the way the music's written... It has got that funk bass line, but mm. so much of it is uh, off the beat. Yeah. Excuse the pun. That's all right, um, you're and you know, he and he uses some. He borrows from so many different genres, so it's a very complicated um, sort of lineup. But you don't get that when you're, I don't know, fourteen, fifteen years sure. old. You just go, "This guy's cool and he dances." Absolutely. Um, so but I that, really that's what's good. That's yeah. what's really good, and, and, I, and I really like that. My, my, my first gig also was at Brixton, and I was yep. allowed to get the, uh, a, a bus that Oof. collected me from literally just up the road from where we are now, and drove me and my mates to, to Brixton. Uh, and we went in 1986. We went and watched Alexander O'Neill. Oh, cool! Um, my uh, missus's dad used to play in his band. Oh, really? I have uh, stories that we won't put on the radio about him um, because we might get sued. Okay, uh, I'll do that. Um, but Alexander O'Neill, how old yeah. were you? Uh, well, obviously it's quite well documented. I'm really old, but um, but how old were you then? Fourteen. Did you go in a suit? No, <laughs> like with a little bolero jacket. Yeah, you know what I mean, slick my hair. Alexander, back. I mean that's fucking cool. Yeah. He's got a great uh, uh, like back catalogue, but fourteen, and you went to see Alexander O'Neill. Yeah, and I okay. remember thinking it was the greatest thing ever. And then about three years ago. Just before lockdown. You got beaten up for going to see Alexandra Hill <laughs> when you were 14. I went to Billericay okay. to a pub. You've left, le- you've left Grace. Uh, I left Grace. Congrats, mate. And I went to Billericay <laughs> to watch Alexandra O'Neill with a, with a backing track perform a lot of the hits that I went to. Nice. But I met up with all of my friends that I went to that oh, gig cool. with back in 86. And we all went and watched him again. And it was bloody lovely. It, was, it. it was a really good night. It was a really good night. Um, but yeah, I don't think... You know, I, I love, I love a YouTube music video thing. And if yeah. I've if I've had a drink, like what was it Saturday night? Um, this is going to be a very different episode of Off the Beaten Track. This is going to be a, <laughs> a, a, a little bit um, looser, I believe. Um, we'll be in a minute. I'm opening the second bottle of uh, of booze. Wonderful, wonderful. <laughs> I just tried. By the way, I just tried that cherry and raspberry straight up. It's very drinkable straight up as well. Mate. It's not super strong, is it? It's twenty five percent. Uh, yeah, it's twenty five percent. It's obviously a liqueur, not a. But uh, you, so you, they they recommend you can drink this obviously with tonic or as a martini, just in a martini glass. Yeah. Now, obviously, if you're drinking a martini, it is just straight up booze. It's straight yeah. up vodka, gin, vermouth. Like you're not mixing it with anything else. So twenty five percent, I could drink a glass of that. I'd fall over eventually, but I'd have a go. I'm opening the mango passion fruit and cacao gin liqueur. This recommends ice tonic, slice of ginger, uh, or and a martini again. Also 25%. Yeah, this is good. Like, this, I'm cracking on. <laughs> do you want some? Do you want, are you still going? Uh, yeah, no, I'm done. I'll, oh, I'll, I'll take you up for another one. There you go. Um, lovely. I'll just plonk some ice there. I warned uh, Stu that I'm getting tattooed tomorrow, um, and you shouldn't really drink 24 hours before a tattoo because you thins your blood. It does. You bleed quite a lot. You do. And also, it hurts more. And also, I've got a lot of tattoos. Yeah. And generally, I fall asleep through them because it's not often I stop and sit yeah. down still for a while. 
um, I deal with the pain fairly well. Uh, my last tattoo was on my right calf, the outside of my right calf, and I would say from the moment that my tattoo artist started to the moment he finished, I was in agony. Like it, every every bit of it hurt. And I'm doing my left calf in the same place tomorrow. So, uh, cheers, cheers, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to this. Right, I'm trying it neat first, and then I'm going to put some tonic in it. Mango and passion fruit. It smells like lilt. Oh, that's really nice. I like that one less. I drink it, but you know, you know, mangoes are one of those things. Like a fresh mango is a beautiful thing, and we use mango a lot at the restaurant. And you always say to the chefs afterwards, like you've, you've cut one up and you've taken off the, the fruit that you want, and you, they've got a big old stone in them, and there's always fruit left around the stone. And we always say to the guys in the kitchen, who wants the mango stone to chew on? And it sounds a bit wrong, but you kind of just you pull all the flesh off that stone because it's really good. And an mm. Alfonso mango, if you get a chance to buy a mango and you see an Alfonso mango, get that one. It's the sweetest thing you'll ever eat in your life. It's lovely. The problem is for me is I don't really like things that are that sweet. I'm in for a treat tonight. Uh, salted caramel next, I think. Um, yes. <laughs> but, uh, but I think you know, I like sweetness. Yeah. But when things are overly sweet, yeah. it can be too much. So I find with mango, um, mango on its own is too sweet. Mango and passion fruit. And weirdly, yesterday at a food festival, I made a pa- mango and passion fruit tart. That's great. I want more passion fruit. I want more acidity, more um, tartness to come through. However, it's, it's still very drinkable. I mean, this is... It's like a nice pop, isn't it? Yes, it is a, it's a lovely pop. That's a great shot. I'm going to put tonic in it and see what happens. Okay, do it. I'm going to do the I'm same. Make an ice cube as well. Why not? There you go, mate. All right. Because that will definitely bring out more flavours and soften it down, right? Yeah, I would imagine so. What are you saying? I prefer that one with tonic. Okay. I, th- I still prefer the first one, the raspberry and cherry, but they're both very nice. Okay. And I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna be honest because it's not my podcast. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. It's very nice. Tell me about. Yeah. Oh, well, cheers for this one. Cheers. Anyway. Sorry, yeah, Clink. There you go. Uh, track two. Question two. What's the first festival you went to? Honestly, I can't remember, but I think it was Reading. Okay. Um, I when I hit. I'm going to lie and say 18. Yes. I went to the Pink Toothbrush. Yes. I was definitely younger than that. But I think certainly in my formative years, yep. um, I was more interested in the alternative scene than anything else. Sure. So uh, indie, ska, rock, punk, blues, uh, that kind of thing. And um, the Pink Toothbrush, uh, which is obviously where Stu and I first met, is the place that I probably started to find mainstream music that was popular at the time. So I suspect my first festival, because my family weren't into music, yeah, um, would have been one of those. And I, I've done Glastonbury since the late 90s. Uh, but I think I might have done Reading before then. So it was probably Reading Festival. And uh, I drink heavily now. So I don't remember much from last week. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably drank heavily then as well, to be fair. But um, don't know. I seem to remember it being uh, messy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I took much. Like the older I've got, the more things I take to a festival that I don't need. Mm. But I'm covered for every eventuality, and I think I seem to remember turning up to that one with like a jacket 
<laughs> and like a six pack. Yeah. And just like crashing in random strangers' tents yeah. throughout the whole weekend. Um, and yeah, just literally spending the entire time off my face. Uh, and then at the end of it, they set fire to everything. So you don't have to, yes. which is really good because you don't have to take your tent home because mm. everything's on fire at the end of it. Is I, that still the way? <laughs> I don't know. I've not been to Reading for years. Um, but I remember um, my, my guitarist in my band in the 90s went and we were discussing the, the, the last night of Reading when everybody just kind of, sort yeah, of sets horrible. fire to everything. Um, he was in one of the portaloos and he just kind of heard. <laughs> what's that and then he just realized that people were tipping tipping them uh and so he literally done like a kind of commando roll at as his one was tipped because (laughs) that's not the crescendo you want to your festival experience is it being inside a a portaloo as it's kind of tipped that's um covering other people's shit that's a horror story unfolding right there um yeah i uh I, 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 when you said that you just turned up with like a jacket and a six pack, it's so brilliant being young, isn't it? Oh, it's amazing. It's like because you just think, oh, but I, I know that I did it, like, oh, it'd be all right. Yeah. And like, and that disappears and as you get older. I know. But why was. does that disappear? Because it always is. Yeah. And like, and the worst case scenario is, oh, God, like, you know, the amount of times I'll be like, how are we getting home? Oh, we'll be all right. Yeah. And like, and then. It, 6.50 in the morning, we're waiting for the first train, which maybe for about an hour and a half, you're like, this is not good. But then by the time you're home and in bed, it's no big deal, is it? But the thought at 48 years of age now, even contemplating not having something in place to sort that out, I just think your life's a little less enriched, isn't it, by, by being... Uh, it I mean, is, but I would argue that if I um, accidentally make the bed and put Becky's pillow on my side of the bed, I wake up in the morning and I can't stand up because my neck's gone. Yeah. So, like, the idea of going to a festival without my airbed, my, you know, orthopaedic pillows, <laughs> and uh, my three-tog <laughs> duvet. That's so like, fucking true. But you know what I mean? And it is. The older you get, the more you're just like, shit, I can't do this anymore. Yeah. Like, I, I need some of the, um, the, the nicer things in life just to get through this. Yes. And, um, yeah, we'll talk later about my favourite festivals, but I, the older I've got, I am more selective of the festivals I go to mm. because I physically can't do it anymore. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not in bad shape, but like, there's only so much I can put my body through. And, uh, and I drink like a fish when I'm at a festival as well, and that doesn't help. I don't help myself. Yeah. I quite like an all-dayer nowadays. I, I like a Hyde Park all-dayer. Like, I, um, I went to see The Cure... Um, probably the summer before lockdown, and it was the Cure Interpol. Um, who else was on that bill? It was it was a real retrospective kind of lineup. And nice. It was lovely, and it was glorious sunshine. I think there was some. It, it was the last World Cup okay. actually, the one before now. So it was probably a little bit longer ago. England had just won, and everyone was in a really good mood. It was, it was really lovely, and but then I still remember like it being packed on the train on the way home. And I just think, oh, I'm bad. I mean, you know, I grew, I grew up in a very working-class area. I'm certainly not middle-class, but I do remember probably about four songs from the end of the Cure set thinking, oh, I wish I would have booked a driver. <laughs> somebody, some, not, when I say a driver, I don't mean like, you know, somebody in a limo. I mean Someone like, wearing a hat. Yeah, I would have just... I wanted to pay one of my mates 30 quid to pick me up, but I possibly would have made him wear a hat. But, uh, yeah, I think I, uh, 
I do find that that's a, a thing. And my missus isn't bothered about stuff like that. She's like, train leaves, then we get that train. And I just think, oh, I work hard enough. Like, if I've got to pay, like, 30 quid to get a lift home, I'm not that bothered about that. Carol's very sensible, though. I think women generally are. I think in every relationship. Does that make me a snob? No, not at all. Um, It makes me lazy, right? Yeah, yeah, thanks, Colt. I just wanted to clarify that. Um, Yeah, no, I'm I'm exactly the same. I think think in every relationship, there's the one that just says, it's fine, we can get the train, we'll save a bit of money. And there's one of you that goes... Honestly, I'm fucked. I'm yeah. tired. I just want to go home now. Let's get let's get a cab. Bingo. That's and I think that's fine. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm exactly the same. Um, I uh, festivals. I'm very much a uh, like. So I off, I'm often the driver. I'm yeah. quite happy to be the driver. I enjoy driving. So I'm often the one that's just like, okay, I'm driving, so it's my rules. Like we're leaving at this time, yeah. at this day, and whatever. It's and, privilege, mate. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I also think that like if you're going to leave a festival, like so, I I've done Glastonbury for. 25 years or something like that and I'm very much when I do Glastonbury I'm like I know what time I want to leave to avoid the rush out of the car park and I've got it wrong on many an occasion but I've now kind of got it down to a T so we leave to get there early morning because mm. you miss the traffic you get in you get the campsite you want and uh, and we leave at a particular point on the Monday um, because I want to drink on the Sunday but I also don't want to hit a load of traffic so yeah. like we're leaving when we leave uh, some of my mates, they go and stay in Glastonbury uh, town and they get a hotel and they have another day there and then they avoid all of that. But for me, I'm like, I'm done. I need a shower in yeah. my own bed and yeah, I want to be able to have a day to sort myself out before I get back to normal life. Um, but yeah, I think now... You wouldn't have done that when you was 18 though, would you? But no, when I was 18, it was, yeah, I, I tent hopped. I... Uh, yeah, I've got stories from that festival that I can't well, talk about. You, you know, you, you've always been a very charismatic person, Tone, and Thanks. and I think and, and you, know, you are, and you're a very likable person, and 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 I think that you are drunk. Like I've had two drinks. <laughs> you've had one and a half drinks. Uh, I'm going on the third. Go okay. on, um, but um, what I should say is that you, that some of the charismatic sides of you that I've seen have involved very kind of festival-esque outfits. Yes. So you would work, We speak you know, about this a lot on yes, your podcast. But, you, you know, you would always <laughs> turn up for work behind the bar in the club, but you would have an outrageous outfit on. You'd make effort. Or I wouldn't have an outfit on. Or, or you wouldn't. Yeah. Exactly that. Um, have, I've had a pair of pants on and that'd be it. Yeah. Yes, exactly that. Oh, but boy. you've also once... I was DJing and somebody walked in onto the, uh, the, the, the dance floor... Um, as the Grim Reaper, but was maybe eight foot tall. Yeah. Yes, he was on stilts. And you just walked up and then kind of leant over the DJ and lifted your mask up. And I was like, well, of course it's Tony. Yeah. Um, but that was... Uh, so did you ever take that kind of flamboyance and confidence to, to a festival? Yeah, so uh, certainly when I was younger, because I think I was more flamboyant when I was younger than I am now, but when I was younger, I used to... Um, take multiple outfit changes yeah. and change. And a lot of the time it was just outfits. It was, you know, a crazy hat and shirts and whatever else. Because I think you kind of, you bring the fun and the fun then like follows yeah. you around and you have a better time for it. And was you just a massive show off? I was a massive show off. I yeah. still am. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, I'm weirdly, I, I am a bit of a, I'm a bit of an introvert at the same time. I'm also an extrovert. You can be both at the same time. It's a bit strange. Okay. I don't really like people. However, okay. I am also a bit of a show. Yeah, I'm a twat, basically. It's fine. You're possibly one of my people, 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 yeah. people, people, people persons. You, you kind of think that, yeah. but 
I really like my own space. I like my own quiet. Yeah. And yeah, I want to s- sit in a room and listen to music on my own and drink a bottle of red wine and not talk to someone. That's kind of what I'd do if I have. Do you think that comes with age? Pro, uh, my maybe. I, don't, I think it comes. I don't. Know, I don't know. Is the truth. I think possibly I've got confidence in myself, mm-hmm. which means that I can get away with acting like an absolute dickhead, mm-hmm. which I do a lot. And wearing stupid clothes and being the centre of attention. Mm-hmm. But I can also be very comfortable um, sitting in a restaurant on my own with a book in a corner um, and eating food and drinking wine and not talking to anyone and just saying I'm just enjoying my own space. Mm. And I think I've got the luxury of that in that I can do both. And I know a lot of people don't. A lot of people need to have people around them or sure. don't want people around them or... But I'm very comfortable in, in most scenarios. And I think that's a confidence thing that I'm very fortunate to have. I don't know where it came from. Um, but I don't know. I think with age, I just get, I'm just grumpy. Really? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I'm really, I, the older I've got, the more grumpy I've got. And the, the least, the less I've liked people and things and people that don't agree with what I agree with. And I But also, I think I appreciate now that you don't have to part with them. Yeah. And life's too short. And yes. like if, that, if someone doesn't agree with you, that's fine. That's up to them. That's their prerogative. Um, we just don't have to hang out. And I'm cool with that because my friendship circle has got smaller and I, the people that I do hang out with are the people that I want to hang out with, of not course. people that are just there for, you know, fleshing it out. Um, I think that's key. I think that's, that, you know, as you get older, you realise that, you know, there's no point spending time with that person just because you think they're a bit cool they're yeah. either your friend or they're not your friend and that's it and and i think you know as you maybe work through your late 20s and in your early 30s you start to kind of make them decisions and i think you know what you said about being you know happy drinking a bottle of wine listening to music I, i'll tell you now without a shadow of a doubt and for somebody that's made it their life's work to offer entertainment to other people and by that uh, I mean as a promoter and as a DJ and as a musician um, nothing would give me more pleasure than sitting in front of my telly watching YouTube videos of music videos probably retrospective ones getting a little bit nostalgic drinking a bottle of red wine on my own yeah I think there's a, there's a real joy in that Um, and you know I kind of want everyone else to be able to enjoy that same thing but not everyone has that confidence i'm sure there's, there's a lot to be you know when, when people say that you know drinking on your own's dangerous and things like that um i i, I kind of disagree with that like because i'm quite happy once every i don't know how often i do it now you know once every day <laughs> <laughs> but you know uh, occasionally if you know I, i'm home alone yep. and i just think right i'm gonna I'm going to have a bottle of wine. I'm going to just watch TV. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, and I, I'm really happy doing that. And that, that is like, and I feel like I switch off them. Yeah. And I, I think everyone's different. And I think it's, it's really difficult and um, dangerous to limit what people do and don't do and to kind of put labels on things. And, you know, I joke about the fact that I like a drink and I, and I do. And there's no, um, there's no kind of uh, denying that. And people that know me know I do. But they very rarely see me drunk drunk. Because um, I don't like that sensation. Um, however, I, I like the taste of wine. I like the taste of gin. I like the taste of rum. Um, and it is for me, it's a both a social thing, but also it's a it's I like food and wine. You know, mm. it's why I've got food and wine tattooed on my knuckles yeah. for a reason. It's because these things are what give me joy, um, not because I like being drunk. I just 
enjoy the flavors that come from these beautiful things so um so yeah i think it's if you can do it sensibly it's fine um and doing it on your own doesn't mean you're doing it because you secretly wanna, yeah secretly yeah. Or, or to, to get wasted yeah. It's just because that, for me, is a nice way of enjoying it without having to worry about the people around you enjoying yep. it. Because when you go to a restaurant, do you want red or white? I don't care what you want. I know what I want to drink. Yeah. I want, I, there's a bottle of wine I've already seen that I want to order. Yeah. I don't care what you want, but I've got to ask you because that's polite. Um, I've got to share that bottle with you, potentially, as well. And make sure that we get equal amounts because that's polite as well. Whereas if I'm doing it at home, I'm going to choose the bottle of wine that I really want to mm-hmm. drink. And I'm going to drink as much of it or as little of it as I want to. It doesn't yeah. mean I'm drinking the whole bottle. It just means that I'm enjoying it because that's the one I want to enjoy. Absolutely. And I think that's what it's all about. Um, and when I was younger, yeah, maybe I didn't do that so much. But I was young. And I bounced back, which was the thing. And that's, you know, the other reason that I need my airbed now. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. And when I was younger, we, you know, we, we would, the, the original question you asked was, did I ever bring that ridiculous flamboyance to festivals? And yeah, I did. Like, there were years where I turned up in um, ridiculous homemade dinosaur suits. You would make all your outfits. Yeah, everything was that. made from scratch. Like, it was um, something I was fairly good at. I, you know, I can sew, I can build things, I'm kind of crafty. But yeah, I, I remember, like, rocking up at festivals in outfits that kind of needed other people to help you get into them. Yeah. And then, yeah, you couldn't really see much from inside them, but it entertained the crowd. Yeah. Um, and that was always good fun. Like I say, you bring the joy and yeah. you have a good time from doing it. I love a festival. I think they're great. Wonderful. Right, I'm on the next drink, but right, you're I'm still not, yeah. going. So I'm now on salted caramel vodka liqueur, and this smells like Werther's Original. I've, I'm not going to lie, I've had this one before. Okay, what do you think of this one already? Um, I love it. Okay, good. So, for me, um, one of the things that uh, I used to do, um, this is a, cheers, uh, this is a camping drink for me. A camping drink? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I, I um, managed to convince the family to go camping, uh, maybe... Eight, nine years ago, and everyone was reluctant. <laughs> Never again. And we went uh, to the Cotswolds camping, and it was absolutely beautiful. Uh, and we you know, we fell in love with camping, and then it was there that I first swam in a lake and, got, and opened my interest in wild swimming. Um, but what we would do is the person, the people that we met up with uh, on the campsite, I'm not doing myself any favours mentioning the Cotswolds. I keep trying to... Keep You're very working me, class, mate. I am working very class. Very working class. I know, thank you. Um... <laughs> God, I actually remember literally getting overexcited because I found Alex James's cheese in a in in very in a very working market. class, very working God class sake. farmers market. We were sitting in a recording it was called Blue Monday. It blew my mind. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, but I'll, I'll keep it working class now because what my friend um, just googling Mark's something done, while you say that because I'm yeah okay Blue Monday that's a Blue Monday also a Billy Holiday track. Uh, no, also an iconic New Order record. Well, yeah, but I'm kind of... Hang on, I'm Googling. But um, right. one of the... Uh, one of the things that my, 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 my friend Mark done was he introduced me uh, to Toffee Vodka. Is it Blue... It's Gloomy Sunday. Gloomy it's, Sunday. It's the track that was... I remember it being a track that was banned on radio because uh, a lot of people committed suicide after hearing it. Oh, really? Uh, but Gloomy Sunday, not Blue Monday. I love Billy. Oh, um, imagine having but... a Gloomy Sunday and then a Blue Monday. <laughs> God. God. And Suicide Tuesday. Jesus. Whoa. Bring on Friday, I'm in love. Um, so, 
What he would do is he introduced me to buying Tesco Value uh, vodka. And right. This is probably not what I should be talking about when I'm trying to talk about this oh, delicious... Hotel Chocolate, your sponsors. Uh, hotel yeah. Uh, Chocolate. Um, yeah, uh, the cheapest vodka you could buy and the cheapest pack of um, like dairy toffees you could buy. Right. Snip them oh, all up. Oh, put them all in it, yeah. Force them in it, shake yeah, yeah. it up, leave it in your airing cover for a couple of That's days, right. occasionally giving it a shake. And then, basically, you would have this toffee vodka that we would... in, in Normally, like a tonic bottle yeah. or like a lemonade bottle. It was, it was pretty shabby, but... At about 1am, when you'd had a, you know, a, a, a night of sitting around the fire, drinking and The chatting, sugar kicks in, keeps you going, yeah. There you go. For me, they've nailed this, and this is like a classy version of it. Do you remember the Christmas party we had at the Pink Toothbrush, where we, um, we made our own chilli vodka by doing the same thing? Correct. And a lot of people threw up in the toilets? Yes. Yeah, me too. Cheers. Um, good health. <laughs> uh, so this is like a Werther's original for me. And this has got that, like, burnt caramel flavour, which I really love. So, um, oh, caramel is great, but when it goes slightly darker and burns, like the sugars burn, that, for me, is, is good because it's still sweet, but it takes on that different dimension, which is good. And this has got that for me, which I really like. I think, so this, this doesn't have a pouring recommendation. This just has a, it's a salted caramel vodka liqueur, and we're just drinking it neat, because mm. why not? This, for me, if you're going to go for camping drink... Mm-hmm. Have a go. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm guessing some apple juice, or better still, still cider. A bit of that, and warm it up over the campfire, and then have it as a hot toddy. And I reckon that'd be bloody lovely. Because it'll, Rod, it'll be delivered there, mate. Yeah, I reckon it'll be a little bit like you're having a um, like an apple crumble, bit of custard in there. Because it's got that kind of cinnamon apple kind of. It, you can you can feel it coming on. I reckon that'd be lovely. But I reckon that would be also nice to make into desserts. It's got that um, you know creme caramel. Yeah, it's got that kind of caramel. Yeah, definitely. This would be lovely in a dessert. Little um, like panna cotta out of that. I mean, I'm having another more. I mean, we, we've been um, top up. Yes, please. Um, we've, we've, we've been uh, very retrospective um, on this. And so I'm going to switch the questions around a little bit now. And I'm going to sort of talk about, you know, you, you, you know you've know, you mentioned your festival experience. Yeah. We've mentioned so many things, you know, about growing up. If you could go back and do your, your youth in your early 20s again, would you change anything? I'd invest in property. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, That's such a middle-aged answer, isn't it? Honestly, I probably wouldn't. I, I, um, I don't really regret much in my life. Um, is the truth? You know, I, I've had a good life. I've, um, I've done what I want to do. I've enjoyed myself. I, uh, I've got lucky along the way. I definitely got lucky. Make your own luck. Um, but I think you do. Yeah. Um, so, and and there aren't really times that I look back on and think. Oh, really regret that or I really wouldn't have done that mm. because also all of these decisions you make make you the person you are 100%. the older you get um, but yeah I'd definitely invest in property Yeah, um, and it's one of those things like if I could look back and do anything differently you know I, I studied and I qualified and you know I had a proper job before I became a chef um, <laughs> like that's not a proper job it's not a proper job honestly <laughs> I have fun every day just cooking food it's amazing um, but like the the truth is I had an, an actual job and a career and, um, and I was good at what I did. And then did you just, work in recruitment? I worked in recruitment. I, so I, I worked in architecture and worked in recruitment for architects as mm. well. And uh, I'd studied for a long time to do architecture. and. Um, 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I spent 15 years in my life not being a chef and had a great time. You sort of fell into, like... Master Chef, right? I went on telly for fun, for shits and giggles, and uh, I did all right. And then the opportunities opened up, and I said to the guys I worked with at the time, I'm going to just take a couple of months and see if anything comes of this, because if I don't do it now, it will never happen. But I didn't want to ever change my career. I love my old job. And uh, and I kind of had a go at being a cook, and it turned out all right. Yeah. And, uh, and then having done it for a while, I said, well, this is fun, but I physically can't traipse around the country with a van full of food and drink and pots and pans every day. Um, I need a base. I'll open a restaurant instead. And, you know, that turned out all right as well. So um, I think for me, you know, doing that big change in my late 30s mm-hmm. was a risk. But I thought it was worth taking. Um, and if it didn't work out, you know, I'd go back and do what I used to do before. But if I hadn't done what I'd done in my 20s then I would never have been the person I am now. And I think I spoke about this on a podcast with you many, many years ago, um, about you know working behind the bar in the pink toothbrush very much made me the man I am now because it gave me that confidence to talk to people, to be myself, um, but also an awareness of what's going around me um, and a good ability to drink a shitload of liquor. Um, <laughs> So, you know, that helped me become who I am. You know, my upbringing at school helped me become the person that I am now. My family life did that as well. So would I change anything? No, I don't think I would. Um, I had a great time in my 20s. You know, I think I much prefer now. Sure. Is the truth. You know, I think I'm more confident in who I am. I'm not trying to impress anybody. I'm just cracking on. Absolutely. And that comfort in who you are and knowing who you are has, has served you well because... You know, it was a fair few years ago now that you you, you was on Master Chef, and year in year out, 
I have you back. Yeah, I'm back every year. We hosted uh, Celebrity MasterChef last year, which was great. I got to meet um, Phil Daniels. I mean, hero of yours, right? I mean, yeah, Jimmy the Mod. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Um, all the guys in the kitchen were going, he was on EastEnders. And like, Jimmy! Fuck off. He's on EastEnders. <laughs> Jimmy the Mod. Um, so, yeah, so things like that that really make me go, like... Yeah, this is life is good, and I am who I am, and I do all right at what I do, and people kind of respect that, and that's fine. And the people that don't, you know, that's fine as well. I'm all right with that um, because I'm confident who I am, and and also it's water for ducks back. So you know, absolutely. Is there a band that whenever they tour, you go and watch them? There is. I'm not going to tell you though until you give me another drink. Okay. <clears throat> oh, we can wear the cream. Yeah. Ones. Listen up. I've only got another new sponsor, Egg Fried. It's this super cool clothing label. And if you're into sort of skating and street art and gigging and, and kind of like really cool art and throwing a little bit of Asian culture and, and the designer's kind of weird sense of humour in the mix, then you're pretty much there with the wonderful world that is eggfried.com. Now, they do these amazing punchy kind of graphic tees, hoodies and sweatshirts, beautiful art prints, as well as this, they have a denim range, all handmade in-house, all supporting the slow fashion movement. Not only that, they've given you a discount code, 10% off when you head over to eggfried.com. Just use the code EGGSALAD, E-W-G-S-A-L-A-D, save 10%. Go and get lost in the world of egg fried. Also, they've got a new kids range, and it's called Small Fried, and it's super cool, super cute. Um, and again, it's all over there in this wonderful world. Go and get involved at eggfried.com. So we have got cacao gin. So this is your more traditional gin. This is not a liqueur. Um, have you had some? I've had some. So I tried it neat while you were getting tonic, okay. and it's nice. Um, it is basically a straight gin mm-hmm. with macadamia nut, Juniper, coriander, orange, and grapefruit, and then obviously the cacao. And the cacao, for me, gives it a bit of earthy note. It kind of grounds it, levels it out a bit, which is nice. Okay. Um, I like it. Uh, with tonic, hang on. Cheers. Oh, yeah, sorry. There you go. How rude. It's nice. I, in fact, with tonic, it brings out some of the, um, the, the kind of higher notes, which is nice. That's really nice. Yeah, that's a very nice gin and tonic. Um, again, I would drink that straight up as a martini, uh, but... Actually, I think with the uh, the tonic in there, it's quite good. Gin and, I mean, uh, our, our mutual friend Scroobius Pip, he's a big fan of his own cocktail called the Scroobius. Right. Uh, which is uh, gin and Pepsi Max. Okay, yeah, classy. Uh, which a lot of people... He get, is also working class. He... <laughs> from around the corner. <laughs> um, he... Basically, Sorry, uh, the story behind that is, which is, which is quite a, a, a great story... <laughs> Um, we had um, legendary DJ Yoda come we? to the, the book club to... Um... I've been in two of his videos. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Bizarrely. Uh, DJ Yoda with uh, the Trans-Siberian March Band. We recorded a video called Petorska, and we recorded another video. I can't remember what it was. We have been in two of his videos. Well... <laughs> there you go. There you go. <laughs> but the story behind the, the Scroobius, which is... Uh, now a legendary cocktail uh, in his own mind, um, is uh, he, we had uh, Yoda come to DJ for us at our event, and uh, and Pip had decided that he had tried gin with Pepsi Max and he liked it, and uh, and he went, I've just got uh, 
the, the, the rider over from uh, Yoda's people, uh, and he wants uh, gin and Pepsi Max. And I was like, what? <laughs> gin and Pepsi Max? He was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when uh, Yoda turned up, uh, he was driving, uh, just said, could I have a water? Yeah, no problem. Uh, to which I then saw Pip drink half a bottle of vodka and a load of Pepsi Max. And yep. it was just his kind of way of uh, getting uh, gin and Pepsi Max. Uh, to which he then uh, refers to as the Scroobius, um, <laughs> which I slagged off for ages. Then I drunk and it's like being a scrope from Grace. Yeah, quite Pepsi enjoyed Max. it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, it's, well, I think it's, whenever anyone says to me, have you tried this with cherry cola? And I go, I mean, essentially, you don't like alcohol. Yeah. Like, you just want to have an alcohol. Yeah. And that's that's fine in your teens, yeah. Maybe your early twenties, yeah. But after that, like, grow up. Come on, have a proper drink. Um, you know what? Drink what you want to drink and eat what you want to drink. Is the, is the honest truth? Like, if someone wants something their way, let them have it. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, is Pip's going to get old, and his legacy is going to be a gin and a Pepsi Cola. I know. And that's not fucking cool. No. Um, what about Pepsi Max? Is that cool? Is that is, is that different? <laughs> I don't drink. Don't. Tell me a band that you go and see <laughs> right. every time they tour. So, uh, my missus is take that easy. She goes to every take that gig and she's got. I would the not expecting that answer. Yeah, my missus is take that. However, she's pure 50s pinup. Like, yeah, she's a pinup. Yeah. Um, like, super cool looking. Thanks, mate. And like, I mean, mate, you're punching. She's like super pretty. <laughs> like, really lovely. Um, not the sort of person that I'd imagine, and I'm taking nothing away from no, uh, followers of Take That. Uh, not the sort of person I'd imagine would be uh, a huge Take That fan. And you know what? My missus has an eclectic um, selection of music in her wheelhouse, as do I. She mm-hmm. sings as well. Um, she's in a band. Um, and, yeah, like loves every kind of genre of music. But, yeah, Take That, she's always loved, and she's seen them in every concert they've done. It's no different from... Jamiroquai, Alexander O'Neill. Exactly. And you know what? I've, you I've been to some take that gigs and they're fucking great. Um, they do a good show and they're entertaining and you sing along and it's good fun. Absolutely. Um, for me, I've never been tribal. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that's probably the best way to describe this. I've never been one who says, if that band's touring, I'm going to find them and go and see mm-hmm. it and I'll go, I see that tour. Um, however, and you've known me for a long time, the one artist that I have seen in the double figures easily is Prince. Mm. Um, I've seen him around the world. I've seen him uh, in the tens of times. Um, I've seen him multiple times on the same tour. Um, But he was the person that if he was touring and I could get tickets or I could get to where he was, I would go and see him. Um, And I've seen him in really small, intimate concerts. And then I've seen him in the massive O2 arena type concerts as well. Uh, never disappointed, never had a bad gig, which mm-hmm. is great. Why would he? He's Prince. I mean, I'm with you, but, um, but surely there are, you know, there are musicians that have bad gigs, but... I don't think Prince does. No, never. I like, honestly, and like special guests and like the sets and the performances and the theatre of it all. Yeah. Prince was always the one and he's, you know, probably the one constant in my life that um, when we hire new people at the restaurant, the first question they get asked is, do you like Prince? And if they say no, they don't get a job. Mm. Um, unless you are somehow work for the government or HR, in which case they absolutely have the equal opportunities <laughs> of getting a job. Um, but, like, Rob will often... Like, Rob's my head chef, and Rob and I met on Chef, and I fucking love him, and he's 
phenomenally talented chef, in case he listens to this. Um, but he will often, like, you know, get the new staff on the first week and just say to them, oh, what do you think about Prince? And he looks at me with this twinkle in his eye because he knows full well. And when they go, oh, yeah, he's right. I'm just going to be there with, like, the hairs on the back of my neck mm. prickling. Um, but, yeah, Prince I've seen so many times. Uh, I saw him at the O2 Arena after party in Indigo, I think was the name That's of the bar. Right. And I was at the front of the stage and we were, um, he was singing along and I was singing with him. And he came over and he said to me, hey, how are you doing? You look a bit like me. I had hair at the time and no facial hair. And I said, I do, but I'm a bit taller than you. And he laughed and I thought, oh, shit. I've heard Prince is a bit of a dickhead when he doesn't like someone. And he went, you're all right. We can be friends. And then I saw him at Paisley Park the year later. Um, and it was one of the most amazing things in the world. You know, they're just like up close and personal with your hero and hanging out with them and getting to kind of see where they live and what they do. And, and it was one of the most amazing things. So Prince for me was always my hero. My sister got him, me into him in the 90s. Um, I think he is uh, one of the most talented people that have, have lived. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, Prince, 100%. He died on my birthday. Oh, fuck. I was in Austria, uh, and, um, yeah, I was in Vienna, and uh, I was on my own on, like, a kind of work thing, not a fun work thing, um, and I woke up in the morning, and like you do in a foreign hotel, um, the first thing you put on the telly is the only the news, thing yeah. you can do is the news. Yeah. So I put that on, and oh. it said, Prince had died. And I just thought, I'm a child of the 80s, yeah. so my life was, in my, my formative years, was Madonna like, Prince and Michael yeah, Jackson. Yeah, the, the three, know. the three, yeah. And, uh, and they were the three. And, 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 yeah, and Prince was just different level, absolutely different level in top three Prince songs. Starfish and Coffee, uh, Sign of the Times, and Seven. I done a radio show the other day and I played Seven. I fucking love Seven. I love Seven. And it's like, is it cool to like Later Prince? I love yeah, Seven. Yeah, it totally and is cool. like, uh, I'll go um, probably Seven. Yeah. Uh, I will go um, I Wish You Heaven. Oh, um, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, still to this day, the greatest Facebook status I've ever put up on my birthday. Prince died. What do you say? Wish You Heaven. Um, uh, <laughs> that said, when George Martin died, I did put up, I read the news today, oh boy. Oh. Um, but, uh, and, and the other Prince song is a weird one and I don't expect many people to know that, but it's called 17 Days. Oh, phenomenal track. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really good. Uh, it was a B-side of when Doves Cry and it was only the fact that that was one, like, an early record that I bought when that came out. And I was just thirsty for music, so I'd flip it all the time. And, yeah, 17 Days by Prince. I will uh, I, I, send I you a record. I've got um, a lot of his um, recorded, like him just on an, a keyboard or a piano, just playing along and singing. He's got a version of that on one of his uh, acoustic albums. And it's phenomenal. Really, really <sighs> good. But, yeah, for him, like for me, his music um, spans, again, multiple genres, which I love, but is just beautiful. Mm. And... Um, I'm half deaf. I can't hear out one side. So I hear everything in, stero- in, in um, mono. Like mono, which is dog shit. 
but also I really struggle to pick up a lot of lyrics. But Prince lyrics I seem to be able to understand and, and hear, uh, whereas otherwise I'm listening to kind of sounds more than anything else. Um, but yeah, Prince for me, uh, just I just love him. And uh, yeah, I've seen him all around the world, uh, hung out with him a couple of times. And uh, How's hanging out with Prince? Honestly, phenomenal. Um, you feel like you are the most important person in the world. And the weird thing is, is I'd always, up until the point I'd first met him, learnt that he was an asshole, and didn't want to be around people. But, not at all. Like, one of the nicest people I've met. And, uh, yeah, just a privilege. So, um, yeah, like, genuinely, I'm very lucky, but, yeah, I mean, that's, that kind of makes your life. Who says don't meet your heroes? Yeah, I mean... Yeah. Oh, I met Peter Crouch as well. I hate football, but um, <laughs> that's a move. Yeah, I met Peter Crouch, and he was a lovely man as well. Yeah, massive MasterChef fan apparently. He oh met really? Me, he met me and Rob, and was like, "You guys were on MasterChef." And Rob turned around. Rob's six foot six, so Rob was about his eye level. I was at his belly button. Yeah. And uh, Rob was like, "You're Peter Crouch," and I went, "Who's he?" Uh, he plays for England. I said, "At what?" Um, but yeah, nice guy. Love it. Very tall. Love it. He is tall. Very Shit successful dance podcaster. Shit dance moves. I've no, yeah. I, I've, quite, quite stiff. It's quite hard to be a good dancer if you're nearly seven foot, I think. You're not. You're tall, but you're not that tall. You can dance. Yeah. I did dance for a while. I, I was a podium dancer I remember. That was the first time I saw you was at Club Art. And I reckon you must have been about 16. Or was it Club Art? It was a club in South End. Maybe. And you was, I think you had like furry like moon boots on <laughs> and like a pair of like hot pants and was dancing yeah. on a podium. Very possibly, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure of that. I probably got kicked out after that. And I remember just, I, I remember thinking, <laughs> knobhead, but that was probably because you was getting more attention than me. I mean, I would say you were both on... Right on both uh, entrances, yeah. I was a knobhead, and I was possibly getting more attention. Yeah, I was a dickhead when I was And then I remember about, yeah, it was a few months later, you turned up at the brush, and I thought, oh, that's a knobhead from like, that podium. <laughs> but you remembered me. There you go. I remembered you. Exactly. Exactly. Right, before you ask another question, I'm going to nick this, and then you're going to give me another one. What the hell is this? We color? are going to go now for the Velvetized. Uh, we're going for oh, the creamy shit. ones now. This is salty right, creamy. liqueur. Yep. And uh, should we put these in these little tall Oh, yeah, go for it. Why not? If you can pour it into that narrow vessel, there why not? You if you may um, have noticed, I'm slurring a bit more. Uh, Stu is drinking slower, so it's fine. That's okay. He's okay. older than I this am. This is a unique episode. This is... This is um, You've done drunk cast. Come on. Yeah, this I know, but, that they're, they're, but that, like, Pip's drunk cast are very different from Off the Beaten Track, as are Hardcore Listing. They're a little bit more raw, because this is... This is a more of a, 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 a you know an insight into music, but this is this nice is because we've had a couple of drinks, and as I said, it's going to get a little loose, and and yeah, and we're we're just chatting about growing up. Also, for the record, when Stu said earlier he's never drunk on one of his podcasts, I certainly have been drunk on all of your podcasts. I think I always turn up with wine or beer, hundred percent, and you did this evening. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I say, the, the the other podcasts are a very different kettle of fish, but I'm going to try and. Um, sample all of these um, Hotel Chocolat yeah, drinks tonight. So, oh, I'm going to make you. I'm not, you haven't got a choice. So oh. we're, we're drinking salted caramel chocolate caramel liqueur, uh, velvety. Uh, cheers. Clink. Cheers. Um, okay, right. First up. It smells great. I'm, I'm, well, so weirdly, this is your sponsor, I'm sorry. 
I think it smells a bit of feet. A feet? Yeah, which is... Like, not a good thing, but I've it's also... i feet out. Yeah, not a bad... Th- I don't know what it is. You have got sandals on today. Um, it's got a little bit of, like, cheese to it. But, again, that's not a bad thing. That's kind of dairy and salt, and that's fine. I'm going to try it. What do we think? It's quite, it's quite nice, isn't it? <laughs> you can't go from feet to nice. <laughs> it's quite nice. Okay, it's, a, it's like a really nice Bailey's, because I don't really like Bailey's. Bailey's has got a place... But this is kind of like a sticky sweet Bailey's. I mean, I've had this one before. All right, what do you think? Uh, the consensus of opinion previously from like friends that I was sharing it with was like, "Oh, it's like a nice Bailey's." Yeah, it's like a nice <laughs> Bailey's. I mean, it is. Um, yeah, it's nicer than Bailey's. Mm. And it, unless it, you're going for a Bailey's sponsorship, in which case it's not. But it's got that salty edge to it. It is, yeah. Now... And it is. That's the feet. That's the salted caramel. That's what it is. It's it's nice. I like it. Where's the comparison from salty caramel and feet? Is that dairy? I think it's yeah. It's like cheese. Like there is definitely a cheesy note to this. Could but, you use that? What could you cook with that? I mean, it's not going anything savoury. Obviously, for the first. Um, but again, we talked about like panna cottas and creme caramels. Like this would work well in that. But like a chocolate cup with a a nice chocolate mousse and then a. One of these is foam on top would be really good. This is just, I mean, this is lovely. Um, that's Christmas Day. Yeah, that, that screams Christmas Day. Yeah. I mean, that is uh, about eight o'clock. I'm drunk by then. Yep. And I'm um, probably singing karaoke. I imagine you've had a lot of red wine and a lot of savoury and you want some Champagne. Uh, Christmas is, uh, well, I do do red wine, but Christmas starts with champagne. We do champagne for breakfast. We do champagne for lunch. Right, the while I'm cooking lunch in the first kind of course of lunch. And then we tend to move on to the wines. And we sometimes go white, but I tend to move straight to the reds from there. Okay. Um, but then after lunch, I'm then looking at dessert wines, ports, liqueurs. And then I'll move back to wine for the evening as I'm sitting around doing, like, nibbles um, and, like, leftovers. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is this is a Christmas evening in front of the telly. I can't really move or spell. It's a little hug, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. I like it. It's not too sweet, which I like. It's creamy, which is like, I'd rather creamy than sweet, and I like it. What's your favourite venue? I'm going to pour some more while I talk about this. Um, right, England. Uh, you having some more? Come on. Have a little bit more, yeah, please. Just for the record, Stu is having extra booze. I'm topping you up. Um, right. In England, uh, Kentish Town Forum. Oh, great shirt. Yeah, so when I was younger, I remember... Um, it was called the Town and Country Club. It was. It was. And it was really good as well. Um, I remember... Get, I, 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 there was a point where I went from stand-up gigs to sit-down gigs. Ooh. And the first sit-down gig I went to was at the O2. Um, the... Millennium Dome, mm-hmm. and I thought I've got a seat. Who was it? I don't remember. I genuinely don't remember. I, I had a corporate uh, tickets there for one of my old jobs, so I, I mm. went to a lot of gigs there. And I remember getting tickets, and I thought, how am I going to enjoy a gig where I've got a seat and I've got to sit down? Sure. And I'm confined in my space and I can't dance because I love to dance. I like to express myself 
in as many horrible ways as I can. <laughs> of course. I like to offend as many people at the same yeah. time as possible. And I had, this, uh, I had this seat and I had to go to see a gig and I'm thinking, how the fuck am I going to do here? And yet now, when I think back, my favourite venues are, um, yeah, Kentish Town Forum and Carnegie Hall in New York. Nice. Um, and they're both sit-down venues. Or certainly when I went to the Forum, it was a sit-down venue. It might be both. Um, Becky and I saw Cooler Shaker do their 20th anniversary um, of K mm-hmm. at Kentish Town Forum. And we sat and we enjoyed... And it, we, they played the album from track one to track six or mm-hmm. seven or whatever it was um, in its entirety. And, and we just sat and enjoyed the music. And like we, we were kind of like listening to a, a record, which was great. Uh, Carnegie Hall, I've been to um, maybe five or six times. But again, it's you sit down, you listen to the music, you pay attention, you respect the surroundings. But it sounds phenomenal. Um, I think Carnegie Hall for me, the the best gig I've been to is Nina Simone. Wow. Yeah. Uh, two years before she died. Very fortunate to see her before she died. Um, yeah, the sound in that place is amazing. Have you seen the documentary film that's on Apple Music called Summer of Soul? No. Um, I think it's one of the greatest music documentaries I've ever seen. I actually watched it yesterday. Um, it was recommended to me by loads and loads of people um, whose musical tastes I'm always interested in. Uh, and it's the same time as Woodstock. It's in yep. Harlem. Okay. And it's been kind of erased from history. Questlove made it. Uh, and on the bill with Sliner Family Stone, Nina Simone, uh. Stevie Wonder... And they've found all of this footage and they've put this documentary together and it's off the chart. Mavis Staples, it's like everyone that's on it is remarkable and it's heaving in this huge park in in, uh, in Harlem. And it's a wonderful watch and absolutely, yeah, brilliant watch. But I won't dwell on that. What I want to talk about is something that you said and I know we've been very retrospective today and we've spoken about age and growing up and and music and I remember the first sit down gig that I went to and what weirded me out was I went to watch two bands both of which were sit down gigs but the sit down gigs were bands that I watched in the early 90s that were some of the most raucous gigs I'd ever seen And that freaked me out. So the first one was at the... They were both at the Barbican. Um, and the first one was uh, the Lemonheads. Oh, my God. So good, uh, life. Uh, and, so good. And it was getting to see Evan Dando, yeah. who still looked so cool. And the other band was a band called Grantley Buffalo. And who both of them bands in the early 90s, I would be losing my shit to, uh, probably in the forum. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and then I remember walking in, and I think... Grantley Buffalo was first. And I walked in, I was like, we're seated. And I remember just sort of sitting down, and they come out, and I was like, oh, I kind of want to move about a bit. And I was like, oh, I'm that old now. Yeah. <laughs> All of my favourite bands are doing sit-down shows yeah. now. So that was that was quite surreal. Um, but, the, the, the you know, the, the, the Barbican's a great place to, to, to watch bands. Oh, it's great. 
I love the forum. Um, seen some uh, incredible bands there. I actually went to um, a protest. Before it became a forum, they tried to shut it down. And there was a big protest uh, to stop the shutting down of uh, the Town and Country Club. And I went up there with um, a mutual friend of ours who's in a controversial one-man band comedy act. And, uh, and we went up there. And, uh, and there was loads of news teams there. And we just went up there. Because at the time, we used to go to like, all of these kind of gigs. And we'd try and basically meet famous musicians that we liked and get them to sign our t-shirts because we had this like we'd all put this same t-shirt every time we went to London that had loads of signatures on sounds so lame uh, but but I remember going up there and I remember meeting Fish from Marillion right uh, and then there was the jazz musician Courtney Pine yeah and Courtney Pine was there protesting as well and then um, a news team from ITV come over and went to me and my mate are you in a band? Like, is that why you're here? Have you played here? I went, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they went, what's your band called? And, and I was a big fan of this band called Nitsareb. And I went, oh, we're in a band called Nitsareb. And then we just told this ridiculously elaborate lie that we was this kind of industrial, <laughs> like, electronic outfit when we, we clearly wasn't. We were just a couple of, like, knobheads from Graves that had just gone up there on the off chance of meeting fish from Marillion. But, uh, but yeah, but... Just to also go back on something that we mentioned, I, I, I did want to bring up. It's going to be haphazard, this, because... Um, We're drunk now. We, we've, we've had a couple of drinks. <laughs> Drink responsibly, though, kids. Um, but um, when you said about bands that you've seen the most... Yeah. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm a ridiculously big Blur fan, but I think I've seen Damon Alban more than I've seen anyone else. Really? Uh, as Blur or as Damon Alban? As, as everything. Okay. Yeah. So um, when... Uh, well, Blur played the toothbrush yeah. on the first record. Yeah, yeah. And then on the second record, Modern Life is Rubbish, we, me and my friends got obsessed with them. And we used to see them in these tiny venues all over the place. And then when Park Life come out, we, we, we saw them. I mean, we actually made up these fake press passes <laughs> saying that we was from Select <laughs> Magazine because they were doing a seaside tour. Amazing. And we saw them at Oscars Nightclub on Clacton Pier. Yeah, I remember Pier. it. Uh, and we, we sneaked into there. Uh, and then I remember seeing them at, like, um, like Elves Court when Great Escape came. They were a legit pop band there. Yeah. Like, it was all screaming girls. It was very different. Uh, and then I remember seeing them at the Astoria when Graham left. And, and I've seen Blur so many times. And then last week, my first gig back after lockdown, I saw the Gorillas um, at the O2. And I'm not a massive Gorillas fan, but it was an NHS thing. And my friend's a nurse. And she said, would you like to go? I was like, I'd love to. Uh, out they come, second song, out come. I mean, Damon Alban's phone book. Second second song, out come Robert Smith. Yeah. Third oh, song, Peter Hook. And then who else come out? Della Soul. Oh, Jesus. Uh, slaves. I spent a summer in uh, New York with Della Soul. How's that happened? I was photographing them. Wow. Um, got to hang out with them for a couple of months in uh, New York. It was fucking cool. And I mean... I mean, they're lovely guys. Yeah. Um, it was only Posta News, I think. Like that was that was on stage with them. I don't think um, the other two were, but uh, oh, like yeah, that. they're absolute babes. But yeah, I mean, I mean, Damon Albarn, he's he's been around the block for twenty years, and he he has. I think I think he's our Bowie. Talent. I think he's our new Bowie, and you know, you've got your Liams and your Knowles that are our stones. They, yeah. They've got one sand, That's and they're fair. great at it, and they keep pedalling it. But Damon, everything he does. Yeah, it's fresh. It's fresh. It's good. I like it. 
Right, where are we at? Uh, what's your favourite festival? Right. Uh, it's an easy one, mm-hmm. is the truth. And I think it's easy both based on age, but also based on... It's just a fucking good festival. WOMAD. Have WOMAD? You done, have you done right. WOMAD before? I haven't. I did not expect that answer. Yeah. I, I mean, you've met me. Come on, I'm sure you mm. expected that. Um, oh, we need more booze. We need yes. another drink. Hang on. You, you keep talking, I'll keep pouring. No, there's my glass. Um, right, so yeah, WOMAD. WOMAD is, for me, the perfect festival because it's quite small in the sense that from, like, Glastonbury from side to side is two and a half miles. Like, if you're camping over in the uh, Green Futures or in, um, I mean, it's been a long time and I can't remember and we've been drinking, but, like, in one of the fields, you're two and a half miles away from the other fields on the other side of the scene. Right. WOMAD is a lot smaller. It's on an amazing site now. It's, it's moved around over the years. It's an amazing site, which is a country estate. And it's probably a mile from side to side. So wherever you're camping, it takes you about five minutes to be in the middle of the mix and amongst the music, which is great. WOMAD is uh, World of Music, Arts and Dance. So it's generally uh, world music, um, and therefore a slightly older crowd. I would say anyone between 30 and 70 is your average. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get youngsters, you get older people as well. Because it's slightly older, there's a lot of respect both in the campsite and on the ground. So when you're camping, the campsites are clean and tidy and people aren't partying all night long. You burn your tent before you come home? Absolutely. You burn your tent. <laughs> because you're giving back to nature. <laughs> of course. Um, like genuinely there is not a scrap of litter left on the site in the campsites and you know people they everyone's sleeping under like hemp yeah um, because it's biodegradable or mm-hmm. I don't know carbon neutral or made from fish we're getting old yeah maybe a little bit um, and I remember like the first time I went there uh, we watched one of the gigs and at the end of the gig there was a fleet of litter pickers coming from the stage to the back of the crowd picking up everything so there's not a single cigarette butt left on the floor at the end of every gig so the floor is spotlessly clean but also i've gotten to that point where there are some bands you want to be dancing to you Mm -hmm. want to be standing up and going for Mm -hmm. it but at woman everybody's sat down on lounges Mm -hmm. enjoying the music and they get the best music from around the world um i saw a indian sitar playing band there do you, do you, you know, like the 1950s um, dressing tables where they have the mirrors with the lights around the mirrors? Yeah. So they had about 15 boxes on stage, five wide, three tall. Each of these boxes was maybe five foot by three foot. Mm-hmm. And it was surrounded by those big bulbs that you get around those dressing yep. table mirrors. And it had red curtains on them. And a guy came out on stage in an Indian robe. White robe, red turban. And he nodded to the crowd and he turned his back to the crowd and looked at all these boxes. And he picked up a, a stick to conduct with and he pointed at a box. And as he pointed at a box, the curtains pulled open and there was a man in there with a red robes and a white turban and a sitar. And he started playing. It's my best sitar impression. Do you like okay. it? Thanks, mate. And uh, he started playing the sitar and we started getting going. 
And then as he starts getting going, he points at another box and the curtains open, the lights come on, and it's another guy in there with another guitar, and he's playing along. And then he points at another box, and it's going on a Dara, and the drums are going bum ba dum ba dum bum ba dum ba dum bum ba dum ba dum. And one by one, all these boxes open, all the lights light up, all the curtains draw, and there are people in there playing these instruments. And one by one, the whole fucking stage is coming to life. And it's just one of the most amazing things. You can check it out on YouTube. Yeah. Like, YouTube boxes on stage at Womad Sitar Band yeah. and you'll find it. It is phenomenal as a spectacle. But what's great about YouTube is they'll get rogue Indian sitar playing bands, Japanese bands, yeah, a, a Mongol throat singing band, but they'll also get trombone shorty from, you know, from New York and they'll get snarky puppy and they'll get like just really good mainstream bands come along and play as well yeah um one of Easter social club have played there you know like really wow. good bands yeah but so they get the best of the music world from around the world but they also then have this clean site great food respectful audience and small enough site that you can move around quite quickly so for me womad every every year we try and go um we've got a really good like close-knit group of friends that go with us that are all musos um and yeah uh, well man like 100 percent and i think you know i've got old so maybe that's why but the one that i've not done yet is the um oh we should actually i've just yeah i've just realized i'm like i'm hunting for my drink and i'm like what am i drinking you're drinking this what is this this is uh this is salted caramel and clementine uh chocolate cream liqueur so this should have an orange note And both drank at the same time, and then you had like a dead space on your uh, podcast. It's nice. Yeah, the uh, the Clementine cuts through right at the end. Right at the end. Yeah, it's nice. I like it. Um, I like I like that one more. The, Sorry, the straight up yeah. one. Uh, I've had another one that we've not had yet, and I'm going to say I think that might be the last one actually. Oh come um, on! It, yeah, it is. Um, that is the uh, is the one I think. Finishing on a high. It's nice though. I like it. Um, the Clementine is right at the end mm. for me. I kind of want it a bit more up front. Um, especially after having the straight-up salt caramel. Yeah. There's not enough of a difference. But very drinkable. As he says, topping himself up. Yeah. <laughs> I um, the, the festival that I've not done yet, that I really want to do, which um, is ridiculous, but um, I really want to try one of these like sort of shine weekenders at Butlins. Uh, I'll have a little bit, please. Thank you. Um, <laughs> which is one of the kind of nineties retro festivals yeah. where you can go and watch the farm and the Mondays and all of these kind of EMF and populate yeah. yourself. All the bands that were like in my, my glory days. And I love the fact that I can go to Butlins, have a bed, sleep in a bed, have a shower and a shower, have a shower. Everything's, and like in indoors and yeah. covered, yeah. I've done a few of them. They're good fun, and I've never done it. And like, and uh, do you know? What? I, had, I had a very weird kind of teenage years. I've never done lads' holidays. I've never done like Butlins weekenders because I was always working. Yeah. Because I worked in clubs, and so I've, I've done a few of them. The honest truth is, they're a bit disappointing because you think that you're going to enjoy it more because you're indoors and you've got a bed and you've got a chalet. But what you kind of are missing 
is that little element of carnage of being outdoors and the weather playing yeah. its part and the kind of the fresh air and all of that. And also the bars are shit. Because all the bars are kind of sponsored by Foster's or Heineken or someone crap. And, uh, yeah, the bars are a bit average. So um, I've done a few of them, and they're, they're good. You stay dry. And you can take a camera and not worry about it. And you can, you know, drive there and then take a suitcase. And that's all fine. But, <laughs> like, honestly... You're not meant to take a suitcase to a festival, are you? No. That sounds so weird. And, and that's the problem, is it's kind of taken all the joy of going to a festival... Yeah. And just strip that away, and you're going to see bands, yeah. but not where they should be shown. Because at a Pontins or a Butlins Resort, that's not where you should be going to see The Cure. That's where you got to play bingo, or, isn't it? Yeah, and yeah, that's, that is the problem. So yeah, I've been to a few of them, and they're fine. But they're no more than that, unfortunately. Yeah. Like, we're not that old yet, mate. No, we're I, not. I, I, still, I still love a gig, and I still... I still love a... I like a daytime drink. I really love a bit of daytime drinking. It's like... Um, if, if I know... Like, I mean, I went and watched... Uh, I was, I've, I've touched up on the Hyde Park all day. As I went and saw the Pet Shop Boys um, nice. just before lockdown. Uh, and it was a, a Radio 2 all day. And there was some very... There was a lot of stuff on that bill that I wasn't interested in. I, I, I was not bothered about watching Westlife. I'm not going to lie to you, Tom. Um I'm surprised. I got to sort of banana rama. I got to see banana rama. That's cool. I'm um, down with that. Yeah. I'm trying to think who else played, but uh, I'm a huge Pet Shop Boys fan, and I got to see Pet Shop Boys, and it was absolutely amazing. But um, yeah, I, I think that it's been a while since I've had a little camp at a, a festival, and I think I'm ready again. Forty-eight. I'm up um, for it. I mean, you're a bigger man than I. Mm. Um, I struggle. I mean, I've worn electric yeah. hook up on a toilet, obviously. Right. <laughs> Right, we've got one more bottle. Right, give us another booze. One more song, sorry, one more... I know, we we are, we changed our milk, mint chocolate cream liqueur. This is the one that I was probably looking forward to the most, because I really like mint, mint chocolate. Talk like, to me about mint chocolate. Talk right. to me about chocolate and your, your, your cooking abilities within chocolate, because that was one of the things that I guess kind of really made you stand out when you first went on Master. Yeah, it did. Um, so chocolate is... Um, Excuse my language, it's having sworn enough, is a bitch. Uh, chocolate is a pain in the ass to work with. Um, it's very much temperature. Which is sponsored by Hotel Chocolat. <laughs> but that's good because they do it really well. And they do do it really well because their chocolates are great. And their booze is really good, as we found out tonight. Um, I'm not looking for sponsorship, honest. Uh, no, so chocolate is a pain in the ass to work with because it is so temperature specific you um but anybody knows you get a chocolate bar it's got a nice snap to it you leave it on the dashboard of your car overnight by accident and the next day it's kind of soft and bendy it has a real temperature limit for the temper on it um which is what gives you that kind of like that texture that snap um however you can do really good things with chocolate and you can make it into creamy moussey light foams you can also make it into these really dense and dark, snappy chocolate bars. Um, I, I think with milk chocolates, um, for me, they can get a bit sweet. Um, same as white chocolates. Um, I love dark chocolates, personally. Anything from 70% upwards is like, is my cup of tea. But what's great about chocolate is it works so well with other flavours. So, obviously, we've had raspberry and cherry. Like Think to a Black Forest Gatto with your cherries. 
raspberries and chocolate, everybody knows that works. Mint and chocolate, mint choc chip, like, come on, that's a thing, right? Uh, we all like mint choc chip. Um, I've done loads of desserts on those. Um, and then you can take it to the other way. So passion fruit, which we've had earlier on today, one of these bowls, I don't know where it's gone. Um, but passion fruit, which has got that real tartness, that like kind of acidity, which is great, works so well with a bit of chocolate because you get the balance. So chocolate and fruit works. And chocolate and mint for me is, yeah, that's a, a dream. Right, cheers, mate. Cheers. Pleasure. Oh, it smells so good. You don't get a huge amount of mint from the smell, though. You get some, it's in there. It's like menthol. Mint arrow. <laughs> that's good, isn't it? Yeah, you like that? <laughs> yeah, I like that. That's boozy, though, as well. You can mm. taste the booze in it. You don't yeah. get the booze in a lot of these, but... Yeah, that's tasty. Right. Um, Last question, and this is a question I, I always get excited about. Well, I've got a little kind of, like, clothes. I've done two of these, you know that, right? What's that? I've done two. Two lineups. Yeah, because you didn't give me instructions, so... Go Unbelievable. On. You've got... Your own festival. You're curating it, right? Yeah. You're going to call it uh, Tome Fest, right? Oh, shit. Um, <laughs> and you're allowed to book five acts, alive or dead. Yep. What's your lineup? So the problem was you didn't say alive or dead in your text to me. You okay, just said fine. five acts. So All I've right. done you one that's dead mm-hmm. and one that's live. They're both... I like your maverick move. Yeah, they're both a bit weird. Dead, easy, Prince, Bowie, Nina, Queen and Amy. I mean, like, all of them, in their own rights, amazing performers, mm-hmm. amazing back catalogues. It's a weird concert. I'd like, I'm not sure what order I'm putting them in. <laughs> I mean, who's headlining that? Prince. Come on. Do you reckon? I mean... See, I'll, I'll, I'll switch a few. Go on. Um, MJ nearly featured. Yeah. I see, crossed see, him out and put in Nina. See... <sighs> it was hard. Michael Jackson... I'm not. So I'm not an MJ fan. However, bad. Like he is phenomenal, and you can't deny it. If I if I want a gig, yeah. I'm up for a bit of like bad era Jackson. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to swap your Nina Simone. Yeah, fair for who? Um, sixty-eight Elvis. Oh, oh fuck! I didn't even think about Elvis. Yeah, yeah, Elvis. Sixty-eight okay. Elvis. Come back, Elvis. Yeah, right. Middle career. Like, you're venturing into fat Elvis, you're still getting a yeah, fucking he's, dream. he's big, but he's not like, big. But you're still yeah. getting cool, slick Elvis, Elvis as well. Yeah, I'd go that, and I'd swap Amy. <sighs> Whitney. Hang on. Are, some... we going, are we going female divas? Because, like, Whitney's up there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm taking nothing um, away from that. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take out your Amy. And, uh, and oh, hang on. Do you know what? Dead, dead people, honestly. They're I, all I, I fucking I want True great. Blue Madonna in there. I want Do True you? Blue Madonna era in there. Um, who else did you have? Queen. Oh, I don't like Queen. Um, I don't like Queen either, but oh, they're right. great. I right? like people. Everyone tells me it, but I... I, I no, they know. are great. And this is the same as Michael Jackson. Like, yeah. I don't... I'm not a Michael Jackson fan. However, yeah. Friday night in the kitchen, in yeah. the evening, we have Michael Jackson. Because it's really good to yeah. kind of cook to, and everybody gets going, and it's yeah. really fun. And I can't deny how fucking great he is. Yeah. I, I might not be a fan, but his music is amazing. Like, he was fucking great at what he did, and I just don't really like pop music. But if I'm going to have a concert, he's going to be there, because that's great, right? And as yes. a performance... And, and, I, and I, do you know what? I echo all of them 
them thoughts with um, Queen because yeah. I and it's the same I, thing. I understand I'm not a big why Queen people fan. love Queen. Yeah, my best and, mate and, was, but yeah. and I have mates that think Freddie Mercury is the greatest frontman ever. I'm taking your, uh, your Prince Queen. Bowie. So I'm going to go. I'm keeping Prince. I'm yeah. keeping Bowie. That's good. Uh, I'm switching uh, Nina for. Who did I switch Nina for? Oh, no, I've lost track. Blimey. We've been drinking. We have been. Um, I switched uh, her for Elvis. And I'm going to switch... Madonna. Uh, oh, I want Madonna in there. No, but I'm switching um, Queen for... What's going on here on Marvin Gaye? Oh, oh, fuck me. I mean, there's two albums that he's good for. Really good for. Let's get it on what's going on. Yeah, and then after that... I've kind of lost. I don't mind here, my dear. Like, um, and then, but yeah, them, them two. Those two albums, back to back, done. And I'm out. Yeah. But then I'd go earlier. I want to hear, heard it through the grapevine. I want to bring out Tammy Terrell. I want to hear Ain't No Mountain High Enough. I want all of that. I mean, we're getting into protest era gigs, which is great because they were great. Yeah. Um, James Brown. Oh my God. Marvin Gaye though. Marvin Gaye. Yeah. yeah 100%. Hands up. I you know, can't deny that. That, yeah. that for me is when someone talks to me about sitting down and listening to a record, yeah. listen to Marvin Gaye from yeah. start to finish and you will understand what listening to a record is all about and you will essentially want to stand up and be political. And I just think Marvin Gaye is, yeah, phenomenal. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, so Alive. Alive, different oh, story. Because, yeah, so I did too. Because you were like, hey, you know, you, I want your, your gig. And I'm thinking, shit, have I got to book these people? Um, so you've had Foo Fighters on. Yes. Foo Fighters? Yes. I mean, I love them. They're not my favourite band. If you want a balls out rock and roll experience. But you know what I mean? Like, live, they are fucking yep. great. Of course they are. And there are a lot of live bands that I do not like. Yeah, um, and that's just fine. It's you know what you're going to get, yeah, and they're going to do it properly. Yeah, great, they are. They're a performance. Um, I'm going rogue. Paloma Faith. Okay, I love Paloma. Mm, I um, have a massive crush on Paloma Faith. Me too. Uh, I mean, she's hot. Yeah, um, an incredible voice. A great voice when she sings. Because mm-hmm. I think we need to make that distinction. No, I love it when she talks. Because when she talks, she sounds like you. Mm-hmm. I've got no problem with that. <laughs> it's a bit weird. Uh, but when she sings, phenomenal voice. She puts on an amazing show, like she really does. Uh, yeah, just like an all-out all amazing woman. And yeah. like, I love who she is as a woman as well, as a mother, as a family person. Just, I think she's great. So Paloma Faith, Foo Fighters. Um, Snarky Puppy. I think I mentioned him earlier when we were talking about Woman. You've mentioned Snarky Puppy, I you, think, I, on I, your I, first Yeah, guest. I think I did. So Snarky Puppy are one of these like experimental jazz bands from the States, um, very much along the line of like Herbie Hancock, Headhunters. Mm-hmm. Um, they're out there, but I remember seeing them at a few gigs, and they're the kind of gig that you're going to sit down, put your headphones on, plug in and listen to, and just go, fuck me, these guys can play, play music. Like, mm. They're really, really, really good. Mm. And as individual instrumentalists and as a band, they are something else. So, uh, yeah, Snarky Puppy, like, 100%. They are probably one of the best live music experiences I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time I've seen them, it's been different and new and exciting. Then um, I'm going to go rogue again, Metallica. I mean, you can't go wrong, right? They're in the box with JK for me. Are they really? And with Cooler Shaker. Right, okay, so 
I don't like Metallica and I don't own a Metallica album right. and I don't listen to Metallica at home. However, I saw them at Glastonbury in, uh, I don't know, 2007, yep. whenever they headlined. And uh, and it changed my opinion on Metallica. Yeah. Like, those guys are phenomenal. They're People performers. Love them. Yeah. Like, yep. you know, they're good at what they do. Um I didn't really know their tracks as well as a Metallica fan. Yeah. I'd like, I was aware of them. I worked in an alternative bar for 10 years. Of course, I knew who they sure. were, and that was fine. But I never really ever played a Metallica track at home yeah. or listened to an album. Um, but seeing them live completely changed my opinion of them. Mm. And, um, yeah, as musicians... And, and their documentary films are some of the most comical things you will ever see. Although I don't know if they're in on the joke, but it is—it is like watching Spinal Tap. Yeah, and it's—it's it's golden, and I can't recommend that enough. Is that four? We've got one more yet. So we've got one more. So Stevie Wonder. Oh, good shout. Um, again, another Glastonbury uh, headliner uh, from—I don't know—early uh, two thousands, maybe. Um, like you, we all know a Stevie Wonder song. We'll all sing along to Top Stevie Wonder. Free Stevie Wonder record. Happy birthday! I'm joking. Like the, so, the weird I just thing is, I love you. <laughs> yeah. So the weird thing is, is when you because I listen to uh, vinyl at home a lot. We had this conversation earlier before we got on air, and um, and I like to listen to an album from start to finish. Yep. And Stevie Wonder has Happy Birthday on um, one of his albums. I don't remember which. But it will therefore just crop up in the middle of you yep. listening to music, and it's weird. Mm. It's like if you've got um, Spotify or iTunes and you've got your own library, and then you just put it on random, and then a Christmas song comes up yep. in June, mm-hmm. and you're like, "What the fuck's going?" Yep. It's June, and it's like Jingle Bell. Yeah, not the one. It throws you. So yeah, Stevie Wonder. Um, What's top, your free? Uh, Superstition. Uh, oh God! I, yeah, it's harder for me to pick three Stevies than it is Prince. I'm gonna go. Used to love her. Yeah. I'm gonna go uptight. It's good. What a start! Ba, 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 ba. It's got a great intro. Yeah, yeah. great intro. And I'm gonna go uh, Master Blaster. Master Blaster. Yeah, Master Blaster. I'll be up there. Um, oh, living, living for the city. Oh. I mean, again, again, it's a great like yeah. intro. It's got the kind of conversational aspect. You kind of, but then it's also got the weird baby kind of crying halfway through, which yeah. I don't like. Um, oh, I keep popping it in my head now. Yeah, and the, and I think that's it. When you get great artists like Stevie, when yeah. you just they suddenly they do, you just they'll cut. Oh, yeah. but that one, oh, that one's great yeah. as well. Um, but we saw him live at Glasgow. Um, like, oh my god, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. fifteen twenty years ago, Marshall and. Riamor. Up sherry, Don't spoil it. Sorry, I've ruined it. Um, it's the booze, booze singing now. Um, but yeah, Stevie's one of those that everyone can sing along. It's a really good time. Like you've yep. got a good feel when you're listening to him. You're not in any way in a bad place. Stevie is always like happy days. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's great. And and yeah, I might change the the order of that they're playing in, but like we're rocking out to the foos. Yeah. Metallica are gonna kind of see you to your grave and they're great and honestly like yeah. they really surprise me they'll see you rock and they'll raise your rock yeah absolutely uh, it's Snarky Puppy you're going to sit down you're going to listen to it and you're going to listen to musicians doing uh-huh. what they do and they do it fucking well yeah. Paloma what a show yeah. what a sexy woman yeah like I love a redhead 
Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, Stevie. Yeah. I, you know. But perfect closer. Perfect Absolutely. closer. And, you know, and he's good all time of the day and night. Well, I'm going to close the podcast with two questions. Uh, one question being, um, of the array of um, Hotel Chocolat drinks we've had this evening, oh. pick one. Can I have two? Of course you can. I like the first one we had and the last one we had. I like the raspberry and the cherry liqueur. Mm-hmm. That one was nice because it was drinkable, boozy, not too sweet. And then I really like this mint one at the end. Yes. Um, yeah, the mint one's good. I've got it's, a level uh, again. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah, good. They're I'm right glad. too. I think they're nice. They're all really good, though. I'm pleasantly surprised because it would have been embarrassing if I'd have come on here and slated one of your uh, sponsors. Their sponsors. But genuinely, I've actually quite enjoyed them all. Um, uh, they've they've all been really nice. And uh, yeah, bravo. Um, and lastly, what's happening? Don't know, mate. Is the truth. Like, honestly, um, I think COVID made us focus on what we do well, which is the restaurant. Um, we were meant to be opening a hotel in East London um last year which obviously hasn't happened because of covid um but i think when that kind of got shelved we stopped and we paused and we said to ourselves you know what let's take stock of everything and just focus on what works and and make it better so um we're focusing on the restaurant we'll be doing live music again at the restaurant on a sunday we do jazz nights on a sunday um we'll start doing that again probably in a month or two's time depending on when the podcast goes out. You need to do some live podcasts. Um, and, yeah, we do some of that. Um, but I think just generally right now, I think we want to just focus on um, living in the minute and enjoying what we do and not trying to stretch ourselves too far because uh, I think we all realise that life's a bit too short. So uh, cheers, get, to that. cheers to that. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. Things got a bit loose, didn't they? I mean... You know, we had uh, we had several drinks. Uh, you know, we was we was drinking responsibly. It was small measures, um, but it was uh, it was just lovely. It was lovely to to just have a, a relaxed and and fun chat about music with with an old mate, and and to have that complemented by some some lovely uh, drinks. So so huge thanks to Tony. Huge thanks to to Hotel Chocolat. Um, head over to the website, go check out the uh, the competition and, and win a chance to uh, get your hands on uh, these uh, delicious products from the Cacao Bar. Head over to Copper and Ink. If you're in Blackheath um, or in and around the area, go over there. Say hello to Tony. He's lovely. And, uh, yeah, go over and say hi and uh, and go and sample the, the, the beautiful food that, um, that he will um, plonk on a plate uh, very, very um, poshly and um, and eye-catchingly acely. Um That can't actually be a sentence that I just said there. Anyway, I'm done. Thanks ever so much for listening. Um, I'm back next time, um, I guess in the more traditional format of what you know off the beaten track, but I hope you enjoyed this um, one-off um, Hotel Chocolat special with uh, Tony. So thanks loads, people, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Eat a podcast.